The point that you don't need to have to generate more leads. The point is that you need to generate more qualified opportunities that are likely to be converted, right? So most companies are focusing on volume. Hey, we need 500 leads or we need 1000 leads. And I'm saying like, exactly like you mentioned, you need like 50 sales qualified opportunities. That was Andrei Zinkovich, prominent voice in the ABM community and the co-founder of FullFunnel.io, a leading ABM consulting firm in Europe. Hello and welcome to the special episode of the ABM Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Arun Gopalaswamy. I had the opportunity to speak with Andre recently and he shared his thoughts on the state of ABM, the best practices, the strategies that has worked with clients and more. Take a listen and share your thoughts. Your feedback makes the show better for everyone. Let's roll. Welcome, Andre. So glad to have you on the show. I've been looking forward to host you for quite some time. You know, I'm a big fan of the work that you do and specifically the approach that you take in terms of giving first and enabling the marketing community, ABM community with your sort of thought leadership, sharing best practices, in some cases, even your playbook, right? So that's really wonderful. And thank you for that. For someone who's in, in the B2B marketing space and are active on LinkedIn, I'm sure they would have come across your posts, interacted, learned, right? But for others, I want you to just give a quick background about yourself. What was life before Full Funnel, right? And basically before you sort of became a force in the ABM space. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot for inviting me. So excited to chat with you as well today. And as you already mentioned, I'm co-founder of a company called FullFunnel.io, where we help uh, B2B tech companies with long and complex sales cycles to implement, let's say, blended account-based and demand generation model to consistently drive revenue and pipeline with target accounts. So before FullFunnel.io, I was running, uh, I was working as a fractional CMO for five years, and before this, I had really good career in the enterprise space and uh, the one thing i i'm always been asked so how did i learn account-based marketing <laughs> the truth is so i started my career as a sales rep sdr mm. and had quite successful career in sales for the first five years and then switched to marketing mm-hmm. and uh, that was always a motivation for me to understand aside from sales tactics how can we motivate our customers to buy more, right? So that Mm. was my biggest motivation and that motivated me to switch from marketing. But the biggest advantage that I got from my sales career was that I knew the hurdles and the challenges that sales been facing every single day, right? I I didn't wear pink glasses, uh, assuming that marketing is really easy and we just need to run creative campaigns or doing some, you know, stuff that is not helping sales to win more deals and uh, generating revenue. So knowing all of that was uh, super helpful. And uh, coming back to the question, how did I learn account-based marketing? So basically, early in my career, I got, after the first year in sales, I 
was moved to the key accounts department. So, and then uh, the same, uh, when I ended up my, let's say, corporate career, I was VP of marketing to key accounts channel, right? So I spent almost all of my life selling and marketing to enterprises. So our market was limited to 50 plus accounts, right? 50, 52, 53, don't remember the exact number, but generally speaking, these were the biggest retail chains in our mm -hmm. region, right? Mm -hmm. And the average contract value, and I mean the annual average contract value could vary from, let's say, $1 million to $50 million, right? Depending on the chain size, etc. So we oh, the same like in account-based marketing, we had different tiers of accounts. We were differently budgeting the marketing for these, uh, these accounts. And basically when your market is limited to 52, 53 companies, you have nothing to do than account-based marketing, right? So I learned it the hard way. So that's, that's the point. And this was way before HubSpot, so mm. HubSpot, demand by six cents and all well-known ABM vendors appeared mm. on the market, right? So we did mm. ABM always manually and without mm. programmatic advertising. Hence, this is where our philosophy comes from, right? So ABM is first of all the strategy and the right process to select the right accounts, uh, build the individual offers for these accounts, right? Mm running one-on-one -on -one campaigns for tier one, running one to few for tier two, right? So these sort of things. And unfortunately, yeah. the majority of modern marketers, they understand ABM slightly differently, thinking that it's all about uploading a bunch of accounts to ABM software, running programmatic advertising, and then sending everybody who clicks the ad, right? Or engages with the mm. content to sales for automated outreach. Mm. I wish mm. it was that easy. Sure. Yeah, I wanted to like deep dive on ABM, but for that I want to ask a couple of questions, right? So one, like, which role do you prefer? Are you Andre as a marketer or Andre as a salesperson? Ah, uh, no, or an ABMer because you're bringing in a sales marketing view to uh, customer acquisition process. So when it comes to account-based marketing, I believe in a shared experience. I don't, I don't believe that it's just uh, because it says account-based marketing, right? That it's just solely marketing playbook. It's a shared playbook. Both teams should be involved. Absolutely. If you want some uh, people call it account-based experience, right? I don't know if that's the right definition, but let's call it like this. It's not possible to run successful ABM campaigns without sales. Absolutely. I think that's one of the core constructs, right? Right. This is good. I want to stick to LinkedIn a little bit. And I think that's where we got connected, right? We interacted, right? And that's where you do a lot of work, right? You once mentioned 85, over 85 percentage of your lead comes through LinkedIn. And I suppose most of them is organic, right? And uh, I think it's easy to understand why, but uh, I'm, I'm curious to know, when did you actually start recognizing the power of the platform? What actually motivated you to invest on a single platform and then basically use it for your business success? Yeah, so let me share a little bit of the backstory. Probably I never shared it before on any interview. So I was sure. uh, running a local agency, right? So we're working on our local market and we were quite well known. But at one point I was feeling that I 
reached the you know this is uh, i'm not crowing anymore mm -hmm. and i wanted to grow on a global scale uh, but not just the ambitions to make more money it was was the ambition to run global programs connect with like-minded people from from the world learn from them sure. because our market was limited to the local knowledge right mm -hmm. And at that time, I realized that it's just completely different from being, let's say, among top players on your local market, but on a global scale, you're just no name brand, right? Nobody knows you. So yes. I was checking for uh, our agency at that moment. It was 20, let's say 2014, 2015, right? Uh, one of the core platforms for, let's say, inbound growth was Facebook. I was checking Facebook for, I was evaluating if Facebook would be a good fit for let's say for growing uh, my new consultant, well, not consultant, but basically my new geek as a fractional CMO. I didn't want to launch an agency. I just wanted to try if people would be willing, you know, to print me as a fractional CMO. So I was leveraging Facebook. I started my community, my first group, which was called B2B marketers and founders, but I didn't see a lot of people who belong to our ICP, the ICP that we are serving at fullfunnel.io. So there were lots of people who are working for SaaS, uh, for startups, for mass market SaaS products. I mean, mass market like $5 products, right? Sure. Where the approach is completely different. You don't need to run account-based marketing campaigns to sell $5 CRM, right? Or <laughs> email software. So that led me to the point that I need to check LinkedIn. I had linkedin profile but i never used it i probably had i don't know a handful of connections 20 30 connections with my ex-colleagues and that's it hmm. so hmm. at that days uh, linkedin was like a resume platform you were talking when what year is this so it was 2016 seven years ago 16 yeah right so at that point i didn't see that lots of people you know posting content on linkedin it was like kind of cv platform and it was a platform <laughs> for SDRs who love spamming everybody, you know. So I didn't <laughs> I didn't check my profile and then out of surprise I saw like a lot of emails, you know, selling something that's completely irrelevant mm -hmm. to me. Uh which was uh ridiculous. But at the same point I just decided to make an experiment and I started to look through people, you know, and uh who uh, who my ex colleagues were connected to and i saw that they quite often they are connected because uh, i was working for u.s companies i saw that they are connected to a lot of companies that actually might be ideal customers for me so what i decided to do i just decided out of curiosity to post some content i didn't get a lot of engagement in the beginning but I saw that some folks uh, from Facebook also started to post on LinkedIn. That's uh, motivated me just, you know, to give more time and uh, doing more experiments. So what I did, and mm. at that point, I just believe me, I had problem. I started to connect with these ICPs, so slowly growing my network. I had probably 200 connections maximum. But what I did, I posted, I wrote something that I was looking for B2B marketing communities for companies with high CV and long sales cycles, and I didn't uh, find any community. So I decided to start my own Facebook group. And if you are interested, mm -hmm. leave a comment, I will send you a link, right? And that yeah. post generated probably 2,000 comments and around 200,000 <laughs> views. So which was mind-blown con considering the fact that I had probably 200 connections. Right? That was your first viral post? Yes, yes. So that 
that was I was like, wow, crazy! How that's possible, right? Mm. So the post went mm. viral, and obviously it helped to fill in the community with target people, etc. But they were not that much active on Facebook, so. While I was thinking how to grow the the community on Facebook, I saw that mostly on Facebook, the most active, let's say, community members were consultants, you know, people like me, fractional CMOs, etc., but not not our target ICP. They were they were joining the community, but they were never participating in the discussions, etc. So I was reaching out to people and asking why because you wanted to apply right but mm. and they told yeah but i'm not using facebook actively so i'm just you know sometimes i'm opening it and i see the discussions but i don't you know just use facebook for my fab to to stay in touch with my family and my friends and that's it that was the feedback from the majority of our icp mm. and i asked like and what about linkedin and they say yeah so i prefer linkedin this way i hang out more regularly and i thought okay so if that post worked that well maybe i should try just instead of facebook maybe i should try to post regularly on linkedin and see how it will go so that was the the beginning and uh, this how the story started wonderful i think just on a question on full funnel right so you guys don't brand yourself as an agency you call yourself as a consulting company is there a, like a reason behind it you don't like agencies or you are much more than an agency yeah because we don't do the because we don't do an agency work so we don't do anything instead of client right so it's not done for you service mm-hmm. uh where we do the work instead of client and i honestly i don't believe that abm can be fully outsourced right Absolutely. It's in this case, you need to have advanced salespeople. These salespeople should also get appropriate product knowledge and product training, right? And it takes time. Mm. And then you need to have all the knowledge about the market, the competition, target accounts, etc. regular communication with subject matter experts. And the, only in this case, ABM would be, could be fully outsourced. But now imagine, I mean, uh, what would be the price to pay that agency for, for let's say, outsourcing it hmm. to really skilled sales reps and marketing reps, how long it will take to, to do this appropriate onboarding, right? And then the actual execution. So the price for that gig would be enormous. That's the first thing, right? And most clients won't be willing to do it. So I really believe that account-based marketing, that should be in-house motion. So hence, uh, our idea is what we are doing. We train and coach the in-house team and help them to launch Mm. pilot ABM program later, operationalize and scale it and develop this in-house motion that they could run and maintain without external help right so we do partially an agency work because we have office hours and we do all the all the campaigns together right but ultimately the key goal is the knowledge transfer so the team can run and maintain process and this goes against the agency model because for the agency the ideal case is the perpetual right retainer with a client there is agency wants just to have an endless retainer right so for us all the projects uh, have a clear timeline right so the clients more or less know when we'll be able to finish it they can estimate the right budget and 
that's that's the points of uh, companies that have uh, good in-house teams and that they uh, that want to build that motion that's exactly the value that we deliver and that agency won't deliver right yeah i'm i'm completely with you so agencies has a role to play but not in terms of strategizing but more acting as a, a supporting system right it could be content production or anything of that sort where you exactly know what is required and then you get and use them as more around a resourcing right to, yeah. to identify let's say creative generation for example or a designing a certain piece of content for example they could do it if you give the brief but to outsource the entire abm program may not be the worst choice especially uh, during the pilot stage yeah absolutely i believe if you'll ask my opinion about agencies i believe that you can outsource parts of your marketing operations like design like search engine optimization maybe demand capturing or retargeting right because you do just for not the full let's say paid motion but just a part of it that's absolutely possible analytics software development right these things could be outsourced but not the processes that should be done on a regular basis by marketing and sales sure yeah just staying uh, on with linkedin for another question right what is that you do differently compared to others right who wants to sort of emulate you get the kind of engagement that you get uh, but not doing things the, the way that it should be done right so what are some things the companies are doing incorrectly and then not able to achieve what they want according to you so we can break down it into two groups right uh the first one is this is what most people never consider this uh this is the psychological problem so the psychological problem is lack of patience mm-hmm. so everybody wants to get the immediate results they don't get they don't give enough time to program to generate the results so let's say hey so yeah let's say full funnel is doing really great let's copy them let's emulate them as you said right then uh let's post something we post once we post twice right and we don't generate a lot of engagement we don't get inbound requests people like uh, apparently target accounts are not reaching out and not saying hey i want to purchase your product so then the company says yeah so it doesn't work yeah let's let's move to let's try something different lack of patience mm-hmm. so the second one is the uh, lack of understanding the full picture because there are, if you look on linkedin you'll see a lot of advice from personal branding gurus you know it's all about show up mm. post valuable content and the leads will come but mm. there are several questions right what to post right and basically uh how to build the relationship with people because the the truth is that lots of our opportunities they come from one-on-one conversations with target accounts not only from you know that somebody reaches out occasionally and says hey just saw your post let's book a call that happens as well but the majority of it is when we have a proactive engagement and communication we usually mentioned that there are a couple of pillars. So SOT leadership is one of them. Then regular engagement with uh, LinkedIn ecosystem that includes target accounts, that includes uh, industry influencers whom our target audience is also following. 
industry communi communities and uh, media so this helps to always be visible to our target audience right and always appear in the news feed then we track the engagement signals and there are multiple engagement signals like uh, that you can track like uh engagement with your content profile visits website visits sign ups to your events etc 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 right you can set up the right uh, triggers for yourself could be also job new job positions right new job posi positions they are hiring for uh money raised whatever so it depends on on your business model right Mm -hmm. And uh, based on this, we always leverage these insights to start timely communication. And I'm not saying pitching, right? Because most companies are doing exactly the opposite. They say, hey, Arun, I saw that you raised money. Let me pitch you my services, right? But that's exactly opposite. Mm -hmm. The fact that I'm raised, that I have raised money doesn't mean that I'm going to buy anything, right? Exactly. So that's the point. So we do it completely differently. And that's, uh, so most companies don't see that full picture. They assume it's just enough to post some and then everybody would engage with their content but one of the things that everybody needs to understand that it's first of all about building relationship with with this linkedin ecosystem mm. there is a process that works right so if you want that people will engage back with your content you need to engage first right and not engaging by posting spot on fantastic content i love it but adding value to the conversation, asking questions, sharing your point of view, right? Tagging people who might engage, etc. So this brings the value to the conversation. And then you can always use these insights to move conversation from the comments to inbox. Usually people who engaged with you in the comments would be more likely to reply to your connection request and then continue a conversation with you. Absolutely, right. I think that the other thing is around not having the sense of give first, right? So how do I take first? So people, most people, I think they start with that kind of an intention, right? So how do I, how can I sell something? And you talked about everybody wants results. There is no patience. And the, the patience is around like, how can I contribute to this company uh, or a conversation or the community and then go for something what I want, right? I think that sense is really lacking. Staying with content. And I think that's, one of the ways how you really build a relationship and then get this conversation going on and, and add value to this community, right? So how do you, like, what's your playbook in terms of how you've structured your LinkedIn content, for example, right? So how do you, is there a specific playbook that you adopt, right? I've, I've seen you, your partner, Vlad, right? Consistently posting. There are some overlaps, but I think there are like the way you approach, right? The posts are like very different. Yeah, that's true. So first of all, uh, our, uh, there is obviously overlap between our content, which is absolutely fine because what we are doing, I would cover it in a moment. What we are doing whenever we see that specific topic got a spike in engagement, right? So you, you can always see this in the analytics. Then we can do a specific, uh, we can repurpose that content. So for example, my post, let's say about the buyer journey using a specific diagram of workflow could be repurposed into slides or carousel post and Vlad would structure it a little bit differently, maybe adding uh, his thoughts, etc. And then we have a new, so it's, uh, it, the, the topic is the same, but it's presented in a new way. And with carousel, you can add more images, right? You can add more examples, etc. So 
and this is where the overlap comes so it doesn't mean that let's say somebody copy and paste the same post but it's just presenting the same topic in a different way with different examples etc so the way how we structure our content and uh, it also correlates to the mistake that i mentioned right so lots of companies don't understand what is the value because some people think that the value is posting you know uh, post on a blog post saying, hey, we published a new article, go and check our website. What's the value for me yeah. here, right? So I'm not here to see a new just link. Um, a lot, lots of people don't understand. They think uh, selfishly about that process, right? If I'm just publishing a link, then all my ICPs would go to my website and check it, which never happens, okay. of course. So uh, to uh, have a success with your LinkedIn content strategy, not only LinkedIn, but generally speaking with your demand generation strategy, you need to understand the buying journey and the stages that your buyers go from identifying the problem because on the top of the funnel, right, the beginning of the buyer's journey, two things might happen. One, there are business triggers, so something has happened in their business, so they start looking for specific solutions. Let's say the company didn't hit the revenue quota and investors' expectations, right? They realized that the way they used to run sales and marketing processes is not efficient, right? And they are looking for different solutions. That's the business trigger. Hmm. And the right, and but the, these are the accounts right and this is the minor part of your market that is ready to buy they are looking for different solutions right the majority of your market is not actively buying and the only one way is first to is uh, to attract the attention first right so you need to leverage the demand triggers what can attract their attention right so what can i say that make your target buyer thinking hey i didn't think about this right that sounds smart where can i learn more hmm. right and this is not the buying trigger this is just attracting awareness right so they're willing to learn more they check and maybe more of your content they start attending your pot uh, your let's say events webinars whatever they start listening to your podcast they start reading your blog sign up to your newsletter etc right De depending on how your dimension program looks like so they start consuming more and more of your content and the more comprehensive content the more expertise you put in your content right the more demand uh, will be created for your products i believe that's the only one way to create demand for doesn't matter what you sell product or service okay. is showing that you know the solution right hmm. proving that something works right not just sharing some i mean hype content whatever like uh, don't work for cmo who doesn't get marketing right and then you get lots of engagement right so not that uh, sort of things so you need to understand the buying journey and next you need to understand what are the questions that your buyers are asking during these different buying journey stages right and uh, you need to write a comprehensive analysis you can run customer interviews and collect these insights from your customers you can analyze your crm right and see what questions are being asked by your target buyers you can attend sales calls and 
actually hearing what buyers are asking, right? You can look, you can join the industry communities and see what people are asking, right? If there are no industry communities, you can find associations, uh, you can find the conferences and events, seeing what are the topics being covered, what are the questions being discussed, etc. right? Mm-hmm. What people ask during the panel sessions, etc. So you can collect lots of insights, right? Mm-hmm. And basically next, the success of your LinkedIn strategy, content strategy, right? And also demand generation strategy lies in how comprehensive would be your answer to these questions. If you look at our content, right? In most cases, these are how-to guides, right? So this is something that you can apply. Mm -hmm. This is something that is always practical, right? We try to share actionable steps. We never say, hey, and if you want... So this is the the challenge and this is the solution. But if you want to know how-to, right? Then you need to reach us out. No way. So the key point is providing comprehensive answers. And when you have, when you have done this analysis, right? When you understand the buying journey, when you connect, collect all of these questions, uh, producing content becomes really easy because all you need to do is to provide a comprehensive answer. Wonderful. I think most people, when they talk about or think about content marketing, they just think about content production, right? I think they don't talk about or think about the distribution. And I think that's where you guys have really uh, scaled and then you, you made it as a like sort of a, an engine that consistently produces, right? And that's where you bring in the uh, repurpose element of it and then you sort of customize to the different conversations, the different posts and, and, and other things, right? And I think it, it has to be a sort of a rounded effort to have anything valuable to be got out of your content production effort. That's correct. That's good summary. Excellent. Uh, just wanted to, uh, I was wondering whether to include it or not, but talking about content, right? So the, the chat GPT, the generative AI, right? Is this something that you're thinking actively using or if so, how are you using? And with this last question, we'll move to ABM conversation. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I'm not actively using it, to be honest. I believe there are, as as about everything, right? We can talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, unfortunately, what I'm seeing is that it's like a new toy every, everybody becomes obsessed hmm. with, right? So, if you remember, years ago, we had Periscope, and everybody was saying, hey, you need to get to Periscope. This is just the number one channel, etc." Then people were saying, hey, you need to get to Clubhouse, if you remember oh, all the hmm. hype, so you can get only by invites, etc. But then it just disappeared. So, ChatGPT is really a powerful tool that can accelerate a lot your research, but it doesn't replace your research. It's so, uh, it's, uh, I, I would be very straightforward. I believe it's really stupid to assume that the chat GPT replies is your ultimate mm-hmm. research, right? If you just rely on AI knowledge without doing your manual research, mm-hmm. you are doomed. It's uh, what, what happens nowadays, unfortunately, so many folks substitute their brains with chat GPT replies. I see quite often when I post something on LinkedIn, I clearly see how people comment with chat GPT answers, right? Sure. So and obviously it's hilarious, right? I never engage back. Uh, some people call out these people directly and they become offended because they think it's just, <laughs> I'm, I'm so <laughs> smart, right? But it's, 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 really, it's really ridiculous and hilarious. The problem is that with like with every software, right, you need to understand how to embed it in your processes, right? It can help a lot. 
It can, uh, first of all, I believe this is a fantastic software to accelerate the research, right? So you can ask additional mm -hmm. questions, materials, etc., and collect it. But that's it, right? That should be embedded into your process. And what folks, what lots of folks uh, are doing right now, they start substituting processes mm. with ChatGPT. Hey, so let's create a content, right? Maybe I would be smart. Let me uh, let me ask ChatGPT. So what are the challenges? Let's say VP of marketing of B two B tech company with long and uh, sales mm. cycle, right? Has and then you have a bunch of standard challenges. And what content should I write? Mm. Right? Boom, boom, boom. Good. And can you write this content for me? Boom, boom, boom. Right? And I would pause. But my question is so what if everybody would be doing this yeah. right <laughs> so you become a commodity you become you you become it's it's just probably everybody understands that the era of mediocre content is hmm. over right so you can't generate demand with Hmm. content that could be created by chat gpt right because if that's possible then your buyer would simply open chat gpt and ask the same questions right hmm. so remember this uh like this blog post that were popular five years ago like 20 ways to like accelerate your pipeline and then they do do email outreach run ads etc like yep. generic advice right or whatever like why you need mobile app in 2023 right so all of this these are the buzzfeed clickbaity articles right so i think it, if it started from b2c it just like got into b2b and everybody yeah, exactly writing listicles and no value absolutely not right it's just exactly maybe additional page on their website yeah please go on what most people don't realize that you don't need more content you need less content but the content that will actually generate demand and opportunities hmm. for you right and if you want to get if you want to get targeted traffic if you want your target buyers to read it that should be exceptional that should be based on the real expertise also including the market insights you can involve thought leaders right to collaborate with that piece of content you can involve your target buyers to make it actionable right and then then, then then you get hmm. an exceptional content that stands out right? right and all the mediocre content that will be created by chat gpt just uh, what marketers uh, who who are obsessed with chat gpt right and who are using it for everything what they don't realize is that they're basically you know digging the grave for themselves because they would be the first who will be replaced by chat gpt right. right so if all the processes are based on chat gpt then a smart ceo or cfo will say hey but if like why i need to pay you you know 10 times more i would just hire a virtual assistant who will be maintaining the same Absolutely. processes right and Absolutely. so that's that's the point awesome uh let's just do some abm talks so you've been involved in ABM, right, doing and advising a lot of these companies, right? So what's the state of ABM according to you currently, right? Where has it evolved from? Where do you see what's the maturity, right? So the the reason for this question is there's a lot of awareness to on ABM, right? So everybody, you're a B2B marketer, you uh, wanted to do an ABM. And then on the at the industry level, so we start, we called three, four years ago as an ABM, right? Then it, it was called as an account-based experience, right? 
uh, engagement, whatever, right? The chronomes keeps changing, right? But what's your view? Where do you uh, see this is this going? Where did it start? And where is it presently? Um, so I would say that obviously ABM gets traction and uh, with every year this approach becomes more popular and popular. I would say it's quite trendy, right? And lots of companies are trying to do it. The problem is that most companies don't have the skills. And in most cases, as I said in the beginning, they assume that ABM is all about, you know, purchasing ABM software, uploading a bunch of companies to it, and then running programmatic advertising with automated outreach, which is very far from the real account-based marketing. Uh, We did a webinar in early February about ABM strategy. Hmm. We had around 300 attendees live and we ran a poll. So we asked, Mm -hmm. first of all, are you running ABM, planning to run it or stop it, right? Hmm. And then people who are running ABM, that was the minor part. Most of them said that we are planning it, but don't know how to do it properly. And then we asked another question Mm -hmm. for those who are running ABM how are you satisfied with your results so mm-hmm. can you guess how many people told they are frustrated with the results from the abm program what 90 percent? yes that's correct so 95 percent told i did not attend the webinar yeah so 95 percent told they are frustrated with the results and then we were asking to share in the chat why and they then they were mentioning no engaging no engagement with ads a miserable reply to outreach right spending money don't see roi so everybody is challenging lots of people and that was really a fantastic conversation because lots of people came from our community people were sharing hey we purchased this abm software as you know all abm software are really really expensive and then the, i don't want to drop the names just not to con- you know just sure. not make a bad move because the problem is not in software the problem is how it it's it's, it's, it's been used, used. Yeah. yeah so and then people were saying hey i purchased let's say this abm software and now we are running these programmatic ads and outreach for the Third months, no results, and I'm getting a heavy pressure from our CFO to justify the investment. That was that was the reality, right? Mm-hmm. So this is how it's going. Unfortunately, too many, uh, and I can understand why it's happening because the same like you asked me about ABM on LinkedIn, I told you, lack of patience and also uh, lack of a big picture understanding the how ABM works. And finally, there is a third argument the pressure on getting quick results mm, right mm. and then everybody instead of because instead of doing appropriate account selection account research manual warm-up right all of this takes time these companies yeah. exclude the most important steps in account-based marketing and they say okay so let's run the sets and let's do this outreach right and the point is i'm always saying i'm not i'm not against programmatic advertising that's absolutely fine if you have budget but this is an ad on so it's just a supplement mm. to your abm processes but not the process itself so it's nice to have yeah. if you have a good process but this not process itself right then you can do it Absolutely. because the question is i'm always asking even if you'll make right now a programmatic banner right so adding my 
adding my company's logo full funnel and saying something hey full funnel do you want to buy this product i honestly i never click display ads i just simply don't see them because it's like it's a matter with a matter of time you have this you know banner blindness and mm. I, I made this poll once on LinkedIn and I just asked how often do you click display ads and the majority of people mm. told never right it's not the B2C world and this is what most companies don't understand there is a real display ads blindness that's the point and that's why they are struggling unfortunately still only a miserable amount of people understand it so so coming back and summarizing everything abm becomes trendy and more popular but not that many companies are doing it properly yeah agree i think abm is is made to be a synonym of account-based advertising or aba yes. i think most companies are seeing that and there is a lot more to an abm than just advertising Button. right so hopefully that'll change right over the course of maybe the next couple of years or so as ABM becomes for a matured sort of a process and we have more people understanding and leveraging the power of ABM. I know we're running out of time. I have like two uh, couple of uh, two important questions, right? So one is around, so you, you are a, you and Vlad are a major proponent of a one-to-one and a one-to-few ABM and not too much on one-to-many ABM, right? And most people, when they start, unless they are, an enterprise, let's say targeting another enterprise, right? So their target account list does not stay in one, let's say 10 or even 50, right? It, it goes beyond it. It goes to 100. And, and I think there's a reason why there is a one-to-many that exists and the programmatic type of ABM, right? Yeah. So what is that you don't like about the programmatic ABM or one-to-many ABM? Uh, this what I just actually covered, right? With uh, uh, what companies believe that they can run just programmatic advertising and they assume this is how they create awareness, right? And when somebody engages, mm-hmm. they will send all these accounts to sales and sales would be reaching out. The problem is, as this what I'm saying, companies don't understand that uh, companies are not buying from companies, but people buy from people they know, like, and trust. That's the reality, right? So you need to build a relationship right. with the buying committee and you need to create awareness inside the buying committee and it's not possible to do only with programmatic advertising now as i mentioned the majority and this is the reality right this is not my just subjective opinion the reality is that at any given b2b market most buyers are not actively buying right otherwise it was it was super easy right and especially if you are selling high ticket software or services let's say starting from 50k right uh, mm, the mm. process is completely the buying process completely different from selling five dollar crm right there you can play it's just impulsive right uh, nobody will ever i don't know not blame let's say cmo for purchasing five dollar tool to try right nobody will ever blame mm. but if if CMO will purchase 50k product right and won't use it this person might get a lot of questions right if uh, there is not a solid ROI and uh, that's my point right so you need to have these manual processes my uh, so the next point is that companies try to 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 create awareness with display ads and what they're doing they are driving traffic to semi-personalized landing pages by but why i mean semi-personalized because they use the tools to replace you know the page with the company's name 
based on enrichment software like Clearbit, demand-based or Minfo, doesn't matter, right? So, and that's it. But there is no real personalization for that company. And again, it's all about assuming that these companies are ready to buy. So they're pushing it. Some of them understand that companies are not ready to buy. So what they are doing, they are promoting gated content, right? Ebooks, reports, etc. So come and download and then sales start following up. The reality is that the companies that are doing it uh, are dealing with miserable conversion rate and uh, they are struggling to generate pipeline and revenue. So my point is that there is no one-to-many ABM. It's just lazy excuse for not doing appropriate demand generation because the point is you need, first of all, you need to run successful demand generation program to create awareness, right? Mm. The next point is looking at the accounts that demonstrate engagement. I'm not saying buying intent, but engagement, first of all. Buying intent is obvious, right? This is something that you need to pay attention, but the engagement intent. Companies that are actively engaging with your content, signing up for your events, etc., right? Depending on what you are doing. Right. And... These are companies that are already aware of you, right? They might be checking your website, right? Again, as I said, sign up for your events. And uh, these accounts should be, if they fit your ICP, these accounts should be sourced to your one-to-one and one-to-few programs, right? The next step, depending on what playbooks you'll be using, you can start manually marketing to these accounts, right? Why? Because you are likely to get the reply. These companies are already aware of you, right? They know you. And because of that, that engagement proves that somehow they already trust, right? There is no credibility problem. So you can expect yeah. that whenever somebody from your team will be reaching out to the buying committee members, you can you can get a reply. Hmm. That's the point. But most companies never doing it. Hmm. Could we say the one to many type of an ABM, right? or call it programmatic ABM is it's the problem of not utilizing it correctly, correctly to, let's say, qualify accounts, right? The reason I say that one to one and one to few may not be applicable for all kinds of companies. Let's say I'm a SaaS company, I'm doing a couple of million uh, in ARR, right? And and you go to the company and then say you do a one to few ABM, right? So that's, and you, you, you mentioned and you alluded to the fact that not all the companies that you're targeting are in market currently, right? So let's say if we wanted to continue my growth trajectory at a 2 million ARR, and let's say my uh, ACV is around like 30K, 40K, right? So you need about 50 deals to close on a, uh, on a not counting the re- repeatability part of that thing, right? So, so I'm just talking about new logos that is getting added, right? Mm-hmm. So you need a, a sizable deal size to maintain your, your traction and also to grow, right? So those kind of companies, right? How, how do you think can basically afford to do something like a one to few Uh, But you actually mentioned uh, one of the most important answers, right? So to do one, uh, first of all, to do ABM, you need to have a good ACV, right? So your ACV should be high, right? So all the Mm -hmm. campaigns that you are running, they should pay off, right? That's why I'm saying it just makes no sense if your, let's say, ACV is like $5,000. It just makes no sense to do it. So... Coming back to your question, again, the point, and that's why I'm evangelizing one-on-one and one-to-one and one-to-few campaigns, right? The point that you don't need to have 
to generate more leads. The point is that you need to generate more qualified opportunities that are likely to be converted, right? So most companies right. are focusing on volume. Hey, we need 500 leads or we need 1,000 leads. And I'm saying like exactly like you mentioned, you need like 50 sales qualified opportunities, right? And for this specific mm-hmm. point, if you invest, so first of all, my theory is that one good uh, sales rep could maintain relationship with 100 accounts, right? So let's say that's, uh, it's, I mean, you can structure it differently, but let's use it as an example, as a rule of thumb, right? So this, this, this is the capacity that you could look at. So generally speaking, if we need 50 sales qualified opportunities, the key point is, right, that marketing is focusing in the beginning a lot on demand generation and supporting sales with this engagement insight. So sales start building relationship with highly engaged accounts where the reality that you can generate uh, sales opportunities way higher, right? And now in ABM, we have the tier segmentation, tier one, tier two, tier three, and ACV obviously mm-hmm. varies, right? So let's say with tier, with tier three, your ACV is 10K, with tier two is 30K, like you said, and with tier one, it's 50K or 60K, 70K, whatever, right? And then you can sure. calculate it completely differently. Then you say, okay, so with tier one, I need to generate potentially like five new logos, right? With tier two, I need to generate 15 logos, etc. And then it becomes way more real. So sales would be focusing on constantly engaging and creating personalized offers, right? Because now they don't have a pressure. I need to generate 500 leads to prove my efficiency, right? All they need, they are focusing on revenue and they know that these accounts are highly engaged. Why I'm saying that's why it's really important because you you can have a candid conversation. So just to give you an example, I yesterday's chat right one of our community members she was unfortunately she was part of a layoff program and so she was unemployed for some time and she joined the company that's Mm -hmm. our icp right and she had a birthday Mm -hmm. i also sent her birthday wishes and also congratulated with joining a new company asking how does she enjoy a new environment you know uh the uh, what is her role, etc. We have quite a good relationship and this is what we aim, right? Before this, mm-hmm. she was an active member in community, engaged and participated, right? No by an intern because she didn't even work for a company, right? But that was high, mm-hmm. uh, high engagement intern. This is what we are tracking. So I reached out because let's say if this is what I mean, the trigger, right? So she joined a new company and also she had the boss, the double trigger to reach out, right? So we had, uh, we had had this conversation and then I even didn't ask anything, right? But then she mentioned and she said, I'm joining, uh, ask like, what's, uh, how do, when do, do, do you plan to launch and build ABM motion, etc. So she gave me some insider information that uh, she's working on the pilot motion. And she said, and I want to involve you. I'm just waiting for budget when we potentially can do it, right? That's exactly mm-hmm. what we are aiming for, right? And I could, what could I do, right? I could focus on like uh, spamming a big, let's say broad list of companies trying to achieve that or i could just thoroughly 
watching and tracking the engagement intent, identifying companies that demonstrate already engagement and build the, the relationship with these people, right? So I know that uh, the fact that uh, the person joined the company doesn't mean that they immediately would involve us, right? Sure. But yeah. that might happen in the period of time. And that's exactly what we are aiming for. And then the sales rep, and I'm not saying, again, not even sales rep, but I just think the in terms of ABM team, right? What I would say, I would sit down, let's say, if I was selling a specific product in this case, right? I would sit down with marketer and I would say, let's chat with her and think how can we help, right? So maybe... Hmm. Like in our case, we have we have a guide. So what's uh, our recommendations for the first 90 days of a new CMO? What exactly to focus on? Sharing the templates, etc. So providing value beforehand. And then we can assume based on the estimate of, let's say, our contact that the opportunity might be in Q3, for example, or Q4, doesn't really matter. So if we look at, because ultimately we need to hit yearly annual quota, right? Correct. So we can start mapping out, okay, Okay, this opportunity might appear in Q4, right? So we can create this revenue dashboards and mapping it more or less. So with how we can continue delivering value, building the relationship, right? But in terms, and we can assume that more or less this account belongs to the activation stage, right? But it, it should mm -hmm. happen later, right? At the same time, in terms of further conversation and warming up and activation, I need to focus on some more accounts. Mm -hmm. And then when you build this relationship, you have a good understanding standing of when the opportunity might occur right or if there is no opportunity these people want you know they, they would be honest with you they would just say hey so there is no opportunity sorry and that's a good feedback you can maintain the relationship with the person right because maybe the, later this person will join another company and there would be opportunity right but you stop actively marketing to them that's the point and this goes way beyond traditional you know mindset of creating cadence and spamming everybody you know everywhere email linkedin phone follow-up etc etc right so that's the point and this what uh, this where i'm going with it it's not it's it's not really problematic right so then you can map out opportunities over time etc but the key point is that both teams should work together you need to track the engagement and the buying intent and add this accounts to, to your ABM to one-on-one one one and one-to-few programs. I, I get the relationship part, the staggering and managing the pipeline and all of that, right? So I just wanted to just take a minute of your time to understand because the math still doesn't work for me. The same example, right? So if I'm a SaaS company, I have to generate, let's say, 3 million, million in revenue. And if my GTM is around ABM and if I'm prevented from doing one-to-many type of an ABM and only stick to one-to-few, right? For me to generate 50 opportunities, I need so many more accounts right the moment you get into the hundreds you, you're sort of getting into that uh, one to many type of abm isn't it uh so if you i mean if you are measuring right the the revenue growth so first of all that's why I'm, uh, i mentioned this couple of times you need to have a blended mm. version so it's not purely abm but you have a blended sure. version of demand generation and abm so you'll be generating inbound opportunities right and the more advanced, the more developed is your demand generation op uh, motion, sorry, the more inbound opportunities you'll be getting, the more engagement intent you'll be creating for sales. So 
the more accounts will appear there, right? Now, the next step is how would you be structured? I'm not saying, I don't know if it makes sense in your case to do one-on-one, -on -one, right? Uh, depends on sure. also on ACV. Maybe you will be doing one to many and there are always, oh, sorry, one to few campaigns. There is always opportunity to do so. For example, you reach out to disengaged accounts, you extract a specific challenge they have, right? And then you group accounts based on this challenge and start running individual workshops. Basically, this is how we started our co uh, company. We partnered with mm. uh, Accelerator in Belgium, right? And they have scale-ups. So we interviewed scale-ups and uh, we extracted companies that mentioned that they have a good presence and growth on the local market, which is Benelux region in Europe, but they are struggling to grow outside, right? So we created a program for them how to, how to grow outside of your market with, without making any shifts in your organization and hiring more people, right? So, and okay. as a result, we suggested one-on-one -on -one debriefing sessions where we were answering their questions and also sharing some ideas they could implement, right? Uh, the reality, mm -hmm. 12 accounts signed up, 12 accounts, not, that's not a lot, right? And 18 people in sure. total because there were multiple people from some companies. Mm. Then we had around seven or eight debriefing calls and out of these calls, we generated three clients. Mm. So just giving you an idea, right? And this is a typical one to few campaign. I just shared one playbook. There are multiple ways how you could do it, right? So that's, that, that's, that's, that's the reality and example. Out of these 12 accounts, let's say, mm. You could also validate with whom there is a still, maybe there is an opportunity in the upcoming future. As I told you, so you could start mapping out the revenue. So with this company, the opportunity might happen in Q4, but maybe in Q3, we mm -hmm. need to gain to somehow engage more actively, come up with new ideas, new offerings, whatever, right, for them. So that's, that's the point. And uh, if you'll be doing this, right. You'll have uh, you'll have enough accounts and enough intent. Sure, I get that. I think that the key is to dovetail with a uh, demand gen program where this is more around accelerating the pipeline and, and doing maybe some sort of a customer marketing as well, right? So that's where one to one, one, one to few ABM types of uh, ABM fits in. Wonderful, Andre. This has been like a fantastic uh, last hour or so. So thank you so much for your time. So before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts? And uh, for those who do not know you, how should they reach out to you? Right? So please uh, go ahead and share your thoughts, please. Yeah, the easiest way is to type in Andrei Zinkevich on LinkedIn or on Twitter and uh, connect with me. Always happy to answer any questions about account-based marketing, and B2B marketing in general for companies with complex sales and high ACV products. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, Andre. It's my pleasure. Thanks a lot for inviting me. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please consider subscribing to the show on your preferred podcast platform and also share it with your network. Thank you.